This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I don't even want to go to this ball, okay? I barely know the king. Welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I am Brian Morris. And I'm Stacey Kulo, And we are both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Which is a show I love. But I've never seen Gilmore Girls, which is one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. What's new with us, Brian? Well, you got a new desk. I did. Brian and I have been home together since March or April. And we've kind of been sharing uh, our table as a desk. And I was kind of feeling like I wanted to set up a different little office space. Not because I'm sick of Brian. It's just, it's nicer in the other room. It gets a lot more light. And I thought I'd be more productive if I had my own little space. So I got a really cheap desk and it came and it had a really big chunk of the corner of the desktop missing. So I sent that shit back and got a new one. And I set it up today and it's great. And now she looks just like that girl from those lo-fi hip-hop YouTube videos. Let us know if you know what we're talking about. If the cat sits with me, I exactly do. I threw away some old costumes. That was sad. I wrote a uh, Transformers sketch. You can look it up online on YouTube at UCB Transformers. Search those and you'll find it. I made a bunch of costumes out of cardboard that I was really proud of. They were like functional transforming costumes. Uh, They got covered in fake blood. Mm -hmm. But uh, I kept them around thinking I would do the sketch again. But obviously, uh, after COVID hit, it was just not happening. So at some point, I just had to throw them away. Now, I kept one. I I had to. But feel free to look up that sketch and then tell me um, nothing because I don't want bad reviews. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the minutia that's been going on in our life. Really, nothing else is happening. If you want to tell us about your minutia, we'd love to hear it. Well, then we start uh, talking about the episodes. This week, we started with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 6, Halloween. So, Stacey, what happened on Halloween? Halloween is about Buffy still trying to figure out why her and Angel aren't connecting. And that's sort of an overarching thing that happens in the episode. But the main thing is there is a sort of spell placed on costumes that came from this particular store. And on Halloween, that spell is activated and anyone who's wearing those costumes becomes the costume they're wearing. And havoc is wreaked. Is that how you say that? Uh, I don't think anyone's ever said it like that, but I don't know that it's wrong. Cool. That's what happens. So it starts with Buffy fighting a vampire in a pumpkin patch. There's a little sign that says two days till Halloween, so we know what day it is. She ends up like pinning him to the ground with the sign. That was kind of cool. But this whole thing is being caught on video by a vampire. Now, this seems like something Spike would do because he's always trying to learn about Buffy. So apparently he has like an AV crew. What's up with that? Yeah, just killed a nerd and was like, all right, take your camera. So then we go to the bronze. Angel is just sitting there at a table. I've never seen him do that. He's usually just like lurking, but he's there. He's waiting for Buffy. She's late. Cordelia takes this opportunity to like swoop in and buy them some cappuccinos. But then Buffy shows up. She's like, I'm so sorry. I had work, you know. And she's got like, what, like a little piece of straw in her hair? It's so gross, dude. It is just, she looks disgusting. It's not at all. We are supposed (laughs) to believe that she looks terrible when she is just like how she normally looks with like a ponytail with like one strand out of place and then like maybe a piece of straw in her hair. And she's just like, I gotta go. I can't believe I showed up here looking like such a troll. (laughs) God, I'm disgusting. And Cordelia's like, yeah, you're gross. Let go of my man. This scene is kind of frustrating a little bit because Buffy 
is saying to Angel, like, oh, what are we doing? This will never work. You know, my job will make it impossible. And it's like, yeah, that's what, like, Angel's been saying to you for, like, four episodes. And you're, like, acting like he's a jerk for saying it. But also the last episode ended with, like, an olive branch. And you were like, no, I'll let you know when I'm ready. And now you're still being difficult. Like, this is why he is being weird around you. Because you're, like, not making yourself easy to date. This is why I don't date 16-year-old girls. That's it's the, the only reason. reason. Yeah, it's just like so flippy floppy all the time with these two and like kind of vague for why it's not working out. They're like worse than Max and Lorelai. You both like each other. Just make it happen. I mean, the problems that are there, we already knew about. He's way older than you. He's a vampire. Those aren't the issues you're having. So like move on. I was talking to someone on one of our social media pages. They pointed out that yeah, it's weird that Buffy's a teenager, but, like, he's also much older than, like, a 90-year-old woman. Right. So, like, who is he supposed to date? Well, I think that's the trouble, right? He can't date anybody. Right. Because they're going to grow old and die. Right. And she kind of can't date anyone, except someone that's, like, fine with her lifestyle, and he kind of is, so I guess it's whatever. I'll accept it moving forward. But I do want to point out that he he might still have more in common with a 40-year-old woman than he would with a 16-year-old girl. So just the level of maturity is something. We're at school. Quark is making kids volunteer to take children trick-or-treating. <laughs> he just grabs this girl by the arm kind of hard and creepily and tells her she's volunteering. I, I don't want to say it's abuse of power, but I feel like maybe it is. Yeah, he's always making kids volunteer to do weird shit. And in this scene, we also learn that Halloween's actually a pretty slow night for vampires. For some reason, they, they stay in on this night. That seems opposite of what I would assume, but... Hmm? Then we meet this guy, Larry, who is, like, asking Xander if Buffy's his girlfriend. He's like, no. He's like, well, and I'm probably going to have sex with her, and Xander doesn't like that. They kind of get into a tussle, but Buffy comes over and emasculates Xander, which he's not a fan of. Yeah, this scene's funny. He's like, I can't believe you did that, Buffy. You're going to be calling me, like, a sissy boy forever. But it's like, did anyone see that happen, though? I feel like no one was want- No one reacted. Yeah, that's true. But I guess he still wasn't a fan. Even though Buffy was, like, defending her own honor. Yeah. Buffy and Willow are, as always, dealing with Buffy's emotional issues about Angel. And they get the idea to, like, sneak into Giles' books and steal, like, his old watcher diaries that might talk about, like, Angel's past, as if that'll somehow give them an answer. Buffy distracts Giles while Willow sneaks, sneaks. She distracts him by telling him that Miss Calendar said he was a babe, which works. Can we stop for a second and just talk about how insane or nonsensical this scene is? Okay. Stop the podcast. Why does Buffy have to sneakily steal this history of Angel? Yeah. Why is Giles withholding anything? Yeah, like what reason would Giles have to not share that information with her? I mean, I guess he knows she likes him, so it might be a little embarrassing for her to ask that. But at the same time, because he knows that she's sort of romantically interested in him, she should be like prepared in every way she can be. Yeah, and since Angel's past is, like, pretty messed up, you'd think he'd want her to know all about it. I just kind of don't buy why they have to sneak around. But they do, and Mm -hmm. they take it to the girl's bathroom, and they're looking through it. They find this picture of this girl from, like, 1775 when Angel would have been 18 and human. And Buffy just gets, like, so jealous of this, like, badly drawn woman you can, like, barely tell anything about. She, like, doesn't have a face. No. (laughs) She's just, like, wearing this big poofy dress. And Buffy's kind of jealous of, like, how fancy this lady was and how there's no straw in her ponytail. (laughs) And Cordelia walks in and she's all like, hmm, I like Angel. And they're like, you know he's a vampire, right? And she doesn't believe them. But I'm glad that the scene happened because we didn't know if Cordelia knew. And now we know they're at least trying to tell her. 
I love Cordelia's line. When it comes to dating, I'm the slayer. I'm like, okay. Yeah, because all your boyfriends fucking die. <laughs> yeah, right. You slay everyone you date. So then they go Halloween shopping at this store. Buffy sees a dress that resembles the one from the Watcher Diaries. And as soon as she sees the dress, this like creepy dude just pops out as if he could like sense that she noticed it. I thought like this might actually be for a reason, like that this guy was somehow connected to the dress. And like a way he is, but like not really. There's there's no reason. He's connected to the whole store. He shouldn't have like popped out just for that dress. It's literally like he's just sitting back there, like staring through the curtain, waiting for someone to look at the dress. Yeah. He essentially is just like, oh, hello, I'm the villain of this episode. You'll find out my name a little later. No one talks like I do unless they're a villain. But anyway, she gets a dress. But we confirm very shortly after that dress dude is bad. He's like saying a little prayer slash spell to this like Roman statue in his little office. Meanwhile, Spike is watching his AV club footage of Buffy fighting. He's like, oh, she's so clever. Look at her fight. She used the... I'm British. And then his girlfriend shows up and is like, do you love my insides? I'm like, what is your deal, lady? But apparently she's had a vision that someone is coming to mess things up. And Spike's like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to probably go check out Halloween in that case. I read a theory that some fans have that Drusilla was a slayer that got transformed into a vampire. I haven't seen much of the show, but I like this. There isn't anything else that happens in the show that particularly like says, oh, she is a slayer. But she does have these like sort of prophetic visions, which is something that the slayers also have. Even though Buffy sort of rarely utilizes this power, she has. Like she's had visions of the master and stuff. So that would kind of fall in line also drusilla's like weak now and we know that but we also know that she was strong like maybe stronger than a regular vampire should be Mm. and it would make sense like oh that's just maybe what happens when a slayer becomes a vampire it seems like there's maybe some kind of romantic connotations between spike and buffy in the future so i'm wondering if if spike has sort of like stockholm syndrome powers which might also mean that drusilla was a slayer that fell in love with her captor I don't know if those are the right terms or if there is actually romance between Spike and Buffy. But it seems like people want that at least. Well, I can tell you that um, Spike did not turn Drusilla into a vampire. Oh, okay. I can also tell you that the Buffy-Spike relationship is probably going to be different than you are expecting. Did Angel turn Drusilla into a vampire? Nobody answer that. There was a picture of a woman from a long time ago in a fancy dress in that book. Is that Drusilla? I don't know. Oh, man. It might have been Drusilla. It might have been Spuffy. We'll not know until Spuffy later. is not that girl. You don't know. Okay. You don't know what Spuffy means. It's just a word you saw online. Yeah, it might mean colorful and bright. <laughs> yeah, that's what it means. Okay, so Buffy and Willow are getting ready. Buffy's got this dress. She's got a cute little brown wig. She looks just like the squiggle from the book. <laughs> She thinks Angel is going to love this. She's like so excited to impress him with how 1700s she looks. Brian, let's say you're a single man. Right. You got your eye on this girl. Yeah, yeah. You're probably pretty sexually experienced. Okay, yeah. She shows up at your door dressed like your ex-girlfriend. How do you feel? (laughs) She's dressed up like my ex-girlfriend from like the 90s or something. Yeah, like time ago. she's wearing this way out of date outfit. Well, I'll tell you how I'd feel, okay? Mm-hmm. Do you remember how Luke reacted when 
Lorelai showed up wearing his ex-girlfriend's clothes? Not good. Not good. If I saw some girl, I'd be like, take that off. Take that off right now. Those aren't yours. You don't need rhinestones. Okay, so it was a dumb idea. We can agree. Yeah, it was a s- stupid idea. Also, like, d- did his taste not mature over 200 years? Like, it's a- she has no idea if that'll be attractive to him. Buffy's decided to dress up Willow real sexy. Willow's not feeling this. She looks good, but she doesn't have the confidence to pull it off. So Xander shows up. He's dressed like an army man. And Willow comes downstairs, and she's put a full ghost costume over her whole body. Can't even see her face. So they go trick-or-treating, and just as things are really getting good with the candy. (laughs) What? (laughs) So they go trick-or-treating. No, we're keeping that in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't know. What do you say? Just as things are getting good with the candy. The spell has come to fruition, and people become what their costumes are. Xander thinks he's an army man. His gun is now real. Little children dressed as demons, their heads turn into demon heads. Willow, this is confusing, becomes a ghost, but like her ghost thing comes off and she's just in her sexy outfit, but she can like walk through stuff and can't touch things. She's a ghost. Buffy is useless. She is like a 1700s damsel, doesn't know she's a vampire slayer. She hates it here. She's like offended that Willow's sexy. I thought there's a couple of really funny parts right here. I thought it was funny when Buffy was like, it's a demon and she's a car. (laughs) Yeah. That was funny. I thought it was funny when she fainted, too. Yeah. One kid was dressed as a surgeon, and I was like, okay, if things go badly, this guy can help, right? I don't think he actually was maybe wearing a costume from the cursed store, because we never actually saw him. But I was like, does he just become like an adult surgeon then? Or is he just like a child surgeon? How would that work? Yeah, I mean, like, if you become just like the concept of a surgeon in the middle of something like this, do you just help people? Or are you like, I got to go to a hospital? I have a wife somewhere? I don't know. I actually think it was really cool what they did with Willow. Because, I mean, a ghost doesn't actually look like a sheet. You know what I mean? It might be a little translucent, though. And she wasn't. Sure. I thought that was written kind of well. Yeah, and I enjoyed that that she had confidence and was like the only one that knew what to do in this episode. Because yeah. she's usually such a follower and she was sort of leading the pack. And likewise, Xander became like a physical masculine presence that he usually lacks. He sort of became like a physical hero. But also he was like willing to accept that he didn't exactly know what was going on and that like Willow did. Yeah. And he like took orders from a woman, which he is not usually prone to do. He, I feel like he doesn't like that Buffy has more power than him in general. Yeah. Interesting thought. Cordelia shows up in her costume, which is a cat, but she's not a cat. She's just Cordelia. So, like, apparently not everyone has turned into their costumes. So Willow has the idea to go to Buffy's house for shelter. Buffy sees a photo of her with her friends, and this just, like, confuses her because she's like, I'm them, they're you. Now, I don't know about you, but I didn't have, like, an 8 by 10 printed JCPenney photo session photo of me and my friends in my living room. (laughs) No, I, I definitely did not either. Angel shows up. He fights a vampire that Buffy doesn't know how to fight. Which, by the way, doesn't make sense to me. How did that vampire get in? Vampires have to be invited. Was it maybe just a demon and not a vampire? No, it was specifically a vampire because Angel's like, give me a steak. And I think it's Spike's minion. That's interesting. Because I was actually like looking for that to happen. Because I was like, I bet vampires are going to get in somehow, but they have to be invited. Which Buffy could easily do if she's stupid. You know, like, oh, come on in. Not knowing it's a vampire. Right. Willow goes to Giles. She walks through walls and scares him, which is very funny because he's like going through some library cards and just like throws them all and just freaked out for a really long time. It was funny. And they kind of put together that what's happening is anyone that got a costume from the store, Ethan's, seems to be transformed and other people got their costumes from different places are fine. So they're going to go to Ethan's. Meanwhile, Xander is fighting Larry, 
from the beginning, who's now a pirate, he was like trying to assault Buffy. Now, do you think he wants to do that because he's a pirate or is that just something Larry would have always done? Here's what I can tell you. It is definitely because he's a pirate. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. We see more Larry? We do. Okay. That's not a character I needed to see again. Well, you're going to see him again. We're done with the master and with the anointed one, but we're getting more Larry. Larry is probably the most powerful. I don't believe you. <laughs> don't finish that. Uh, football player uh, in the show. Spike shows up. He's loving all this. He's recruited the child demons. That doesn't really make sense. There's all these demons, and he's just like, hey, listen to me, guys. And they're like, cool, cool. I'm a demon. I'm a devil. Like... I'll just follow this vampire I just met. He's British with a powerful chin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Willow and Giles are at Ethan's. They see his little Roman god statue, which gives Giles an epiphany. Something about it like representing the division of self. Ethan pops out and Giles is like, oh no, get out of here, Willow. Do you think Ethan thought someone was looking at a dress? So he's just like, oh, who's there? Probably. There's such a small mistake here that bothers me so much because it's such an unnecessary mistake. We've already made it clear that Willow can't even turn a page. She's completely incorporeal. Somebody watched this scene and was like, oh, someone's leaving the costume shop. I better throw in a door opening and closing sound effect to make it make sense. But when they do that, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Willow should have just walked through the door. She literally can't open the door. I'm done. But then it becomes clear that Ethan and Giles know each other. You mean Ethan and Ripper? Yeah. Ethan calls him Ripper. They seem to be like old acquaintances and Ethan knows some dark shit about Giles. And then we see some dark shit with Giles. (laughs) He just like beats the shit out of Ethan until he tells him what he wants to hear. And he tells him to break the statue, which stops the spell. Spike's got Buffy and her friends trapped in this warehouse. All the vampire children have Buffy's friends held and Spike's going to kill Buffy. But that's right when the spell breaks. Just in time. She's strong again. The child demons, just children. And then Spike's just like, oh man, you got me again. (laughs) And he leaves. He just gives up so easily. I mean, I know he was, like, outnumbered, but come on. How long does it take to kill Buffy? Well, I mean, I think it's fair. Like, Buffy's a slayer. There's also Angel. There's also Xander. And, like, six kids. Some angry-ass kids. (laughs) Willow's body just, like, goes back to where her ghost costume was left on a porch. And she's like, you know what? I don't need my ghost costume. She's feeling good about her body now. And she just, like, confidently walks away. But, like, you pointed out she doesn't know that her friends are safe. Yeah, the last thing she saw before the spell broke was, like, Buffy about to die. So you'd think she'd be like, fuck, I gotta get back to that warehouse. But Oz sees her walking around and is like, who's that girl? I hope just every episode has that once and that's all that ever happens between the two of them. Oz is probably the most powerful who is that girl in the whole show. Oh, okay. So then Angel's at Buffy's place. He's just, like, kind of laying on the bed all sexy, waiting for her to get her jammies on. And he's like, why did you think I would like that dress? And she's like, I don't know. I just thought that was the kind of girl you're into. And he's like, no, I never liked those kind of girls. And then they make out and I guess they're together now. They didn't really have a conversation. They just figured it out with their lips. Well, she doesn't have any straw in her hair, so she's looking good. I guess. And then it ends with Giles at the deserted Halloween store. And he finds a note that says, be seeing you. So I don't know where Ethan went. Like, they didn't really show us how that resolved. Did Giles just, like, leave after he broke the statue? Ethan didn't, like, disappear. Yeah, I don't know. Well, okay. There's a lot to unpack with Giles. but He looks straight at the camera, by the way, until the title card comes up. Yeah, he looked right into my soul. And I was like, (laughs) I thought I trusted you, Giles. Um, that's the end. 
This episode is very important. Uh, this affects a lot in the show. The Giles stuff? Just everything that happened. Mm. It affects a lot of stuff going down the road. But they don't really address a couple of things. Like, everybody has their memories from their being in a costume, right? They talk about that, yeah. I know, but like... Aren't those kids probably, like, traumatized now, then? Yeah, but we don't really worry about that in the show. <laughs> but also, did anyone die? Was anyone, like, murdered? There's, like, demons running around. Yeah, there is just, like, sort of havoc happening. I guess there's also doctors running around probably fixing everything. Exactly. <laughs> there's there's angels taking people to heaven. There's <laughs> probably all kinds of nice people in the mix. Yeah, I guess maybe that's true, yeah. By angels, I mean God's angels, not, like, Angel the Vampire. I, I don't think anyone else is dressing up as Angel. <laughs> Someone's just dressed as this guy that lives down the street from them. I just see him at night, and I think he's kind of attractive. I don't know. Guy seems awesome. There's also another theory that I just read that I can't really go into, but it's about a character named Warren and what he might have dressed up as. Wait, was he in this? He wasn't. You think he might have been affected by this night off screen? Yeah, it's not like a theory that like has to be true or like is that important, but like it is an interesting theory. Uh, no comments on this, please. Yeah, don't tell us till we get to that point. Uh, but when we get to another season, we can talk about it. So I'm sorry I brought it up, everybody. <laughs> so Brian, was this a good episode of Buffy? Yeah, I definitely was. I thought it was good. It was fun. Mm-hmm. We got to see the characters playing roles they don't normally play. That's always fun. You know, Buffy is not the strong one in this one. She's more of a comic relief and Xander is more of like a protector in this one. Willow gets to be more of the person in charge. It was also funny when Xander finally did beat up Larry and that said that he felt strangely validated for some reason. Right. I also thought it was just like funny. Like there was a lot of really funny lines. And I liked that it went back to the the Spike storyline. For the most part, I don't enjoy the Monster of the Week episodes Mm -hmm. as much, especially when they're just like set up this big badass villain that just like knocked out both season one villains and then we don't see him for like two episodes and also like buffy just hasn't like seemed concerned about spike like in the last episode she's like oh, i'm just like gonna go to a frat party i'm not worried about anything i'm gonna get drunk and not worry about my responsibilities when like, there's like literally a new dude in town that's here to kill her yeah, that's really interesting, right? Like, Reptile Boy. You'd think that she would just constantly be like, there's someone out there trying to kill me right now. Mm-hmm. Like, that's their whole purpose. Like, any moment that I let my guard down, he could kill me. Um, Yeah, so th- this one was definitely fun because I'm into Spike. I'm into seeing where that goes. And I thought it was not exactly a monster of the week. There was, like, a, a thing happening. But even the monster of the week, I think we'll we'll see more of. We really don't know anything about Ethan. Or what his relationship with Giles is, or if we even know Giles. Yeah, that's so fun too, right? Like Giles is such like, oh, we know you. It's like, oh, maybe we don't. Yeah, apparently his hobbies also include beating the shit out of old friends. (laughs) And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show on around the same time that Buffy and Gilmore Girls was on. It was a show that neither of us has ever seen. And we're not gonna see it. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, tell us what happened this week on Charmed. Meanwhile, Uncharmed, Season 2, Episode 6, The Old Black Magic. The sisters are forced to turn to a reluctant teenager, J. Michael Ferguson, when an evil witch, Bridget Brana, escapes the confines of her 200-year-old prison. Um, okay, so these the actors' names or the characters' names? 
Who writes these IMDb summaries? Because I don't think they're good at it. They've never given us, like, people's first and last names in parentheses before. Okay, so I'm guessing they have to get a reluctant teenager. Is there another type of teen? Is there ever an eager teenager? Oh, yeah, Sander. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Jess is a reluctant teenager. Xander is an eager teenager. Right, got it, got it. I'm guessing that uh, this, this woman gets out of her prison by, like, going into a computer. Like Moloch from Buffy. Okay. And so they're like, oh, we need a teenager to help us hack into this computer. Oh, that makes sense. That sounds like something Bridget Brana and J. Michael Ferguson would get up to. They're known for this. So they get this reluctant teenager, like the whole time, the teenager's just like, oh, I don't want to be doing this. And hacks in and finds this 200-year-old demon in the computer. I'm guessing this is a bit of a crossover with Buffy, that maybe Moloch is still there and they're friends. That's fun. Even though this probably came out before that. I bet, though, that they can't tell the teenager, J. Michael Ferguson, right. that they are witches. Right, of course. So there's probably this whole weird sexual tension with that. Sexual tension? Yeah, because just, like, three hot adult women are like, hey, teenager, will you, like, come to our house and fix our computer? <sighs> Reluctantly. Yeah, and they're probably, like, Gotta hide the dog and the man in the cupboard. There's probably a bunch of scenes where the cupboard man walks by and Jay's like, what's that over there? Like, oh, nothing. nothing." I don't know why he's reluctant, though, if they're sexy. So maybe that. Well, he doesn't want to have sex. He's he's reluctant. He's not he's not Xander. He's not an eager teenager. Well, they maybe they thought they would use their sexual prowess to mm, get him mm. to come to their house. They're right. like, oh my god, this teenager is going to be so eager. He's going to want to have sex with all three of us. But we don't want that at all, do we, ladies? One of them does. We won't say who. But it turns out he's super reluctant, and they have to like bribe him with food. Yeah, like chocolate, and just when the candy's getting good. <laughs> He sees this 200-year-old witch in the computer. And he hacks her out. And yep. it's all good. That's all you beat a computer witch. Bridget Brana. Right. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. And then we watched Gilmore Girls Season 2, Episode 6, Presenting Lorelai Gilmore. Brian, what was this episode about? This episode's about... Richard and Emily having a fight that they're, like, trying to play down and keep under wraps, but it's definitely happening. Uh, but also, it's about this, uh, what do you call it, coming out party? Debutante Paul? Is it uh, Debutante Paul? Uh, yeah, he's a guy I know. <laughs> um, they call him Debutante Paul because he wears white gloves all the time. Mm-hmm. And also about Christopher coming back for the Debutante Ball and sort of sparking up some romance with Lorelai again. Hmm. Let's uh let's get into the deets. The episode starts with Lorelai and Rory showing up at Emily's house, uh, and there's a new maid, as always, and it's funny because the maid is clearly, like, distressed and, like, doesn't know what to do, and that's because Emily and Richard are having a huge fight on the stairs. Richard doesn't want to go to all these, like, social things that Emily wants him to go to. He's like, I got too much work. I don't want any part of this. Like, silly that you're dragging me to these things. And she, like, grabs a bunch of index cards for some reason. And I guess they have all, I guess maybe they're invitations. I thought maybe she had prepared a speech about (laughs) why she was upset with him. Emily just lists off all these, like, social engagements that she should have gone to with Richard, where she's the, on the board of whatever these groups are. And that he hasn't gone to any of them. And he's like, it's silly. I don't have to go to this. Like, why don't you go by yourself? Like, are you not an independent woman? Like, what's the, I don't care about our social status. That's all you care about. 
And it's kind of weird because, like, Lorelai is just eating this up, like, watching her parents fight. She loves it. And Rory is just sort of like, this is maybe wrong that we're, one, enjoying this and, two, watching it. Uh, Obviously, they're upset and they wouldn't like that we're watching it. But Lorelai's like, it's not our fault that we happened upon this. I kind of side with Rory. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they could have maybe gone and sat in the living room or something. Because I could also see it being weird when Emily and Richard realize it's time for dinner and the girls never came. Yeah, I think there's also something about, like, listening to this just because you're like, oh, my God, I want to know what's happening. There's a difference between that and just sitting there smiling like, I like that you're unhappy, Mom and Dad. Yeah, yeah. There's a balance. Eventually, they come in and they're like, oh, hello, we've been fighting in front of you. Let's pretend that didn't happen. Lorelai, like, applauds when it's over, which is so mean. (laughs) It's like, you're not totally dissimilar from your mother. Uh, Then they're at Luke's. Because when aren't they at Luke's? You know what I mean? They're just always at Luke's. Um, And while they're there, Jess shows up wearing a Metallica t-shirt, which is not okay. Luke is pissed. He's like... Well, because he's working. He doesn't just show up with his outfit on for the day. Yeah. Luke's like, part of the deal of you being here is you work, which I don't understand. He doesn't want to be there. So why would he work? I don't understand the mechanics of this deal. I don't know. I guess Luke like laid down the law in the last episode and Jess seemed to maybe have a spark of respect for that in his eye, even though he's not going to be happy about any of it. He just knows like, okay, these are the rules here, I guess. Sure, but I also don't understand this. Luke's like, you can't wear that. You gotta go put on something else. Which is like, Luke, what the hell are you talking about, man? You wear, like, the same clothes every damn day. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I feel like Luke wouldn't give a shit what he wore. That's true. It's not like Luke's outfit's super fancy, but, I mean... No, Luke's outfit looks dirty. It doesn't look dirty. It's just yeah, a flannel shirt. Yeah, it looks wrinkly as shit. Okay, that's different than dirty. Okay, well, I think his hat looks dirty. He just got it last season. <laughs> I've worked in restaurants where you can wear whatever you want. I've also worked in restaurants where it's like, yeah, wear you want, but not like a printed tee, maybe. Right, but like Luke's restaurant is like a, a hardware store. Like Luke doesn't care. Like he had to be talked into painting in a different color. That's fair. Yeah, it seems silly. But it's all to set up a joke way later. I know, and it's a funny joke, but it's also just kind of like, I just don't buy that Luke would give a shit. I feel like Luke's whole point is he doesn't care about that kind of stuff. So Jess is like, all right. Fine, I'll go change. Now, this was like, I don't know, in the morning, which is important for later. And then Jess goes upstairs to change. Emily's outside, like, having tea time with a bunch of aristocratic ladies who you just want to punch in the face every time they speak. Yeah, they're gossiping about all the parties that Emily missed. Yeah, they're really making her feel bad about not being at these parties and all the drama she missed, all the the hot goss she missed. There's a woman from Salisbury, a lot of cheating going on. There's a lot of mistresses in this aristocracy. Yeah. Probably happens. Uh, but then Rory comes by and says hi, and they're all like, ooh, Rory's really pretty. She should go to that coming out party. She'll win because she's pretty, and that's what's important. Do you win? I don't really know how these things work. So. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah, doesn't she say she wins? Like, she would be like, maybe I'm wrong. But she says, like, she would be hotter than the girl who got, like, a scab on her face, which is yeah. a funny line, by the way, mm-hmm. that a scab would just ruin your beauty. I was like, we better freaking see scab face, and we do. Yeah, we do. She looks fine. I mean, she looks okay, but if you look at her hair, she's got straw on it. It's so gross. Oh, I know. If she just wouldn't have done that. Wasn't it related to a horse, too? Didn't she, like... Perhaps, yeah. She wasn't related to a horse. Then she would have been had more problems than the scab face. (laughs) But Rory gets tricked into doing this. We find out later. Yeah, she tells her mom, and her mom's, like, shocked. You didn't go out to that porch, did you? You did? Oh, no. So she wants to do this. Lorelai at first is like, well, I'm going to call Emily and I'll tell her you're not going to have to do this. But Rory's like, I want to do it because grandma wants it and it's not a big deal to me because Rory is a good person. Like, so far. I feel like this episode, Rory's really been a good person. Like, she's trying to do what's right for everybody. And Lorelai's like, fine, if you want to do it, then I'll get your dad to like w- w- give you away. I, I don't know. 
yeah. escort you out? I don't really understand because like both her boyfriend and her dad had to be there. That part is confusing to me. If you have a boyfriend, it doesn't seem like you should need to come out. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, Rory like realizes she needs to have a dad for this. And she's like nervous to ask her dad. So Laura like calls him. So she gets a hold of him. He's in Boston now. They have a, a chat where she guilts the shit out of him. This is weird because she like gives him shit for not calling enough. But they said when he was here last that he calls like maybe once a week, if not more. Yeah, I don't really know. She gives him a lot of shit. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to, uh, it's my turn to speak, Lorelai. I, I'm going to do it. <laughs> She's like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to do it. To be fair, he's let them down like a million times. So I get them not believing him. Yeah. And even after they get off the phone, they're like, oh, he said he'll do it. It was like a 60% chance. Yeah, that was funny. But he follows through. He shows up in his four-door Volvo. Oh, yeah. He's got a car now instead of a motorcycle. Also during this time, Dean and Lane are over, and Dean is realizing that he's going to have to wear a tuxedo to escort Rory with, like, tails and gloves. Yeah, and they're all packed into one corner of this little couch. Yeah, I don't, there's so much room on the couch. Well, they're so used to sitting on the floor watching movies for some reason that they decided to just use a little bit of the couch. Rory's on the arm? But Christopher gives Rory that dictionary. Yep. He's got money now. As soon as Lorelai sees that he's got a job, she immediately starts flirting with him hard. Mm -hmm. Just like, let me get in your car. Oh my God, let's listen to music together. Oh my God. Smile, smile, smile. Flirt, flirt, flirt. Lorelai is just like, can't believe that he's like, got a real job now and has money and is like, kind of got his life together. Apparently, it just turns her on quite a bit. We're getting closer to the ball. Emily's bought a million pairs of pantyhose, I guess, which I didn't even notice that she was wearing. I guess I didn't look for it. She had all 12 on. You didn't notice? <laughs> she got a run in some of them, but you couldn't tell. Uh, and now here's another scene where Richard is, and Emily reminds me to pick up his jacket. And he's all like, I'm not picking up my damn jacket. I don't give a shit about any of this. I got work to do. Figure it out yourself if you want me to go. Or I won't go. I don't care. And I've like been there. I've been like, oh, yeah, I don't want to do extra work for this thing I don't want to do. Yeah, you go to all kinds of events where you got to wear jackets, don't you, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I get the all, like, the, you make me do chores for a thing I didn't want to do anyway. Oh, okay. Like, what's an example? I can't think of any since we've been together. It's been perfect. All right. But your ex-girlfriend from the 1700s made you do this a lot? It was like, I don't even want to go to this ball, okay? I barely know the king. <laughs> So obviously there's trouble, and Lorelai's like, hey, is there something going on here? And then Emily's like, no, of course there's not. I'm believable. And then she just goes and gets his jacket. I felt bad for her. Yeah. Meanwhile, Miss Patty is trying to teach Rory and Dean to dance, and they're not good at it. They're terrible. I know. We're, I think we're supposed to think Dean is like being a jerk, but it's like Dean's been dragged to a lot of stuff that he didn't want to go to. Yeah. And I feel like every time he gets dragged to something, it goes terrible. So he's probably like, right, what's going to happen? Am I going to lose a leg? Lorelai and Christopher show up and they're like, oh, we know how to dance. Let's show you how good at dancing we are. And they have a dance and it's very flirty. And they brought four coffees, but there's five people there. So the whole time I'm like, who doesn't get a coffee? Miss Patty. Why not Miss Patty? Because she's not in their family. Okay, it's... I guess, but when you're bringing a coffee for everybody but her. Well, I never thought that was weird. I guess Christopher's the treat they brought for her. Yeah, that was, this was funny. He remembers that she's into him and is like super flirty right back at her. And she loves it. We love it. Yeah. Well, you know, Miss Patty's very subtle. Yeah. Uh, but they're dancing and they're like, oh, we dance so well together. Mm -hmm -hmm. Uh, she's just like so turned on by how stable he is now. Yeah. More horse references. It was funny. <laughs> It was funny when Miss Patty says to Dean, like, are you leading? And he's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Finally at the ball, 
Uh, Rory shows up very slightly late, and they're already pissed at her. They're like, get upstairs. You got to get ready. And all the girls are like, we only have an hour. We'll never be ready in time. And Rory thinks that's too much time. One of the girls is just like getting wasted, super afraid she's going to fall. This is her fifth one of these things? Yeah, her fifth. She's really hoping to get with her concubine, whoever is, the boy that's with her, the present, I don't know who it is, but she's hoping this time that guy will marry her. Lorelai's kind of like, where's Emily? Emily shows up and she's just like kind of in a pissy mood, but Richard's not there. Interesting. Emily's like, where is Richard? He promised he'd come. The ball has started. The lady's hosting it. She looks like a ghost. Like, (laughs) she looks like as translucent as Willow should have looked. Yeah. Oh, Rory's father's there. He's there to give her away. He's fulfilled all of his obligations. Mm -hmm. Christopher and Lorelai also super flirty at this event. And then Richard shows up super late, goes straight to the bar and just starts like slamming whiskey. And like kind of talking loud. And Emily's like, you should sit down. He's like, I'll sit down when I want to. And he starts making a scene. Yeah, the event is like happening. And so finally they like take him into another room to have like a fight in a very echoey, huge room. Yeah. Lorelai kind of mediates this fight for them. Right. And... Richard's like, you know, you don't listen to me. You don't listen. You don't, do you have any idea what's going on at work? And she's like, yes, I do. And he's like, no, you don't listen. And then he explains that he's being phased out at work. He lost an account, which Emily did know. But I guess she didn't really understand the implications behind that. And he's like, I'm being phased out. I'm losing this account. They're going to slowly peel off my other accounts. They're going to make me train my replacement. They gave me a promotion, but it's just so they can strip accounts from me. And then eventually they're going to make me retire. And I know this because this is what I did to the guy before me. And I don't want that. I just want to go to my job every day. And it's like, oh, shit. Okay, that's what's happening. Emily seems to actually understand now. Well, Emily says, so what? And she's kind of like, we'll figure something else out. I, I'm trying to figure out, like, what this is about. I, I think it's just, like, they both have this idea of what their life is supposed to be. And it kind of aligns. But for him, their life is him doing his job and going to work. And for her, it's, like, because they have this wealthy lifestyle, like, the status and the events that come with it. And I think he's kind of like, what good is all that if I'm not in my job? Yeah, I'm confused because obviously they're wealthy. So my... That's not going to go away. He's going to retire wealthy. Exactly. I don't know. It probably people have struggles with retirement. We're not at that age. If you're a listener and you are, let us know if that's like a weird time of your life to process. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, I really felt like Emily was being kind of absurd here. Well, actually, let me take that back. They're both being absurd. Yeah, Richard's being disrespectful of the event. Absolutely, 100%. I want to make that, that's the biggest thing. He loves his granddaughter, and I get that he doesn't like Emily, but like, I don't understand why he would show up and just start getting wasted and like making a scene. I feel like he would just grumpily sit there and maybe just like not make eye contact or talk to Emily. Mm -hmm. That just fits Richard's character so much better. Let's be clear, he likes Emily, but not in this moment. No, but if he's mad at Emily, I could see him ignoring her. Yes. They've made it clear that he loves Emily. Mm-hmm. But I don't see him as like getting wasted and yelling and making a scene. I just don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem like him. But also Emily just like being like, who cares about your work? Or like not noticing that he's going to get fired. It's like, what are you doing? I was like, isn't that important to you? Yeah. I think it's just them maybe not communicating super great along the way. Because maybe she just didn't understand the implications of this. But yeah, Rory walks by and is like, hey guys, it's my turn. So they watch her come out. She does great. Fan dance, all of it. Doesn't fall. The drinking girl doesn't fall, but she does have like a like a wobble. Yeah, no one's going to marry her. I thought that was funny. And Emily says to Lorelai, it should have been you up there. Everything's not going the way it's supposed to. That's it. Successful coming out debutante Paul. They're going to go to Luke's. Dean is like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going home. <laughs> He's like, I just want to get this tux off. Rory runs ahead and Lorelai starts talking to Christopher and she's like getting very flirty and is like, you know, if you want to stay the weekend, you know, I wouldn't hate it. And then she like kisses him. 
And then he's like, oh, hey, um, I would love that, but I sort of have a super serious relationship um, with a woman I'm living with in Boston. Why would he not tell her that so much sooner? It doesn't make any sense. Every scene they're together, they're very flirty. You'd think you would tell someone. So then she's like, I mean, that's... That's cool. I respect that. But you could tell she's a little sad. Well, you could tell she's sad because she like insults him. Yeah. Yeah. She starts kind of immediately making fun of this woman for liking a man who drives that kind of car, even though she was ready to bone him. Yeah. I I totally agree that he should. It's weird that he didn't mention it beforehand. So he walked away and the troubadour is just right there. It was awesome. He was just like waiting like, oh, God, yeah, this is my time. Yes. Yeah. 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 Walk away upset. (laughs) And music. Like, he heard all of this. Yeah. He was just, like, right out of frame. You know what would have been great if he just started applauding like Laura and I did in the cold open? Mm -hmm. So she meets Rory at Luke's. Rory's eating a hamburger. Lorelai's like, that's not how a lady eats a hamburger. And Rory puts a little pinky up. Oh, yeah, that was very funny, actually. But now it's nighttime, Mm -hmm. okay? It's at least one day later, if not more. Jess comes downstairs, having just changed... Into a replica of the outfit Luke would wear. It couldn't have taken him long to find that outfit in that apartment. That's all the outfits Luke has. I'm guessing he just took one of Luke's outfits and just like hemmed it down to fit. His tight little muscular body. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably it. He had to learn to sew. And so like Luke yells at him a bunch. It was a funny visual gag. But it should have happened in the same scene as the Metallica joke. It was almost like the writer's like, this joke is too good. <laughs> We gotta do it at the end of the episode. Because also like, this is, seems to be when Luke is closing. And Jess is, like, showing up for work? None of this restaurant makes any sense. Luke, in season one, worked this restaurant by himself for three-fourths of the season, never had an issue about being busy. He would always stop and talk to Lorelai for long stretches of time. Then, once he starts getting help, he's suddenly swamped all the time. That's true. Every time he's got, like, a named character working with him, it's very busy. He's like, I need them. I was like, well... First season, you like would sit down and be like, hey, Lorelai, let's talk about our lives for a while. When Rachel was there, it was swamped. Now that Jess is there, it's swamped. Maybe just having hot people working there just brings in more people. <laughs> that's a good point. And there is the stoplight now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really probably bringing, bringing in a lot of people. But Rory can tell her mom's thinking about some things. And she's like, you're worried about grandma and grandpa, aren't you? And she's like, no, but I am. So the last scene is Lorelai just like goes to her mother's house and Emma's like, what are you doing here? She's like, I'm just here to hang. And her mother's like, hang? I've never heard this word, hang. They say hang like 25 times. Yeah. Emily's gardening. Wearing what? The What is she wearing? She looks like she is tending to the raptors at Jurassic Park. I cannot believe she would put on this like safari outfit to go like prune a couple bushes. Well, Richard canceled on her for the safari party. She had to wear the outfit somewhere. I'm guessing that Emily started to work in the garden in a Metallica t-shirt. And then the gardener turned to her. It was like, that's not what you wear gardening. And then she was like, okay. And then she came back wearing that outfit. <laughs> Lorelai just sits down. It's like, hey, mom, if you want to talk, you can. And Emily's like, okay. And then doesn't. <laughs> Will she? TBD. How long do you think Emily and Lorelai just sat in silence before Lorelai left? Two hours. Maybe. Stacey, do you think this is a good episode of Gilmore Girls? Yeah, I do. I I think this was one of the better ones this season Mm -hmm. so far. Mm -hmm. Many, so far this season, I've been a little like, "Eh, there's not really jokes in this or they feel a little slow or like the plots feel kind of made up and silly. But yeah, I think this one had me very intrigued the whole time. I thought there was a lot. It it seems like when they have Christopher episodes, there's just a lot packed in. Mm -hmm. Like there was a lot with the Richard and Emily fight. There was a lot going on with Lorelai and Christopher. I thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. I do like the visual gag with Jess. Yeah, you're right. The fight 
between Richard and Emily seemed a little out of nowhere, but I, I really enjoyed watching the episode overall. I was um, very caught up in the dialogue and yeah. the performances. Can we talk for a second about how Christopher asked her to marry him mm-hmm. last season and she said no. And now he's back for his daughter and she's like kissing him and asking him to stay over. And it's just like, I don't know. Well, he got stable. All the things that were keeping her from marrying him, he's started to fix. That's true. And it's not just like him saying he's fixed them. He actually like really seems to like having a job and having stable money and going to work every day. Right. That's true. So I think she's just sort of like, let's see where this goes. Yeah. And he lives a lot closer now. He was like in California before, so Mm -hmm. it's like feasible. Right. I mean, it makes sense. I think she wants it to work with him, but there's just a lot keeping her from making it work with him. That's true. I thought it was a good episode for the same reasons you said. I just like seeing Lorelai happy and flirty mm-hmm. and Rory being happy. I like that. Yeah, when the episode ended, you were like, this is harder to decide which one was better than I thought it was going to be. Like, you were 100% sure it was going to be Buffy. No, I wasn't 100% sure, but I knew Buffy was going to be a slam dunk mm-hmm. because then it was a good episode. So, Brian, which episode do you think was better? Buffy. I just think it was funnier overall. This Gilmore Girl did have funny lines and stuff in it, but I just I felt like Buffy was a, it was a good episode. It's rough because they're both good, but I think probably Buffy is better. I think Buffy is a better episode of Buffy than this was an episode of Gilmore Girls. Like, that's Buffy at its best. I don't know if this is Gilmore Girls at its best, even though I think it was a very good episode. I will tell you that this was not Buffy at its best, though. Oh, no. It gets better? It gets better. Sorry. Yeah, the Buffy episode had a lot of intrigue, too. Because of Giles, specifically. Oh, yeah. And it alluded to some stuff that you don't even know about. Yeah, I mean, the candy's really getting good. The candy, you don't even know. Yeah, I think the last um, the last couple episodes have been not great. Maybe of both shows. So it was fun to have two that were good. Well, guys, we'd love to hear your thoughts on either of these two episodes. Like, how did that vampire get into Buffy's house without being invited? Has Christopher turned his life around for good? Would you be turned on if your partner dressed up like your ex? Why does Rory need her dad and her dean to escort her at this thing? What would you have turned into when you were 16 on Halloween? Why don't the Gilmores know how to sit on this couch? <laughs> Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or TikTok at Gilmore Slayer where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. And for comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an E-Y. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. Or you can send us a good old-fashioned email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. If you don't know how to do it, find a reluctant teen. J. Michael Ferguson. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you do, we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 2, Episode 7, Like Mother, Like Daughter. Ooh, good title. As well as Buff the Vampire Slayer Season 2, Episode 7, Lie to Me. Fine title. Bye. Bye. Bye.